0: Welcome to another CJ3 Foundation podcast. I'm your host and the director of the CJ3 Foundation, Eric Thomas. Give me your undivided patriotic attention as we're about to impart on you another story of service and sacrifice representing our mission to serve our nation's wounded heroes. You're listening to us here in the land of the free because of the brave. Let's uphold our oath. Leave no warrior left behind and support our thin green, blue, and red lines. Why? because this will defend. Uncle Sam and CJ3 wants you. This is a CJ3 podcast. Well, starters, thank
1: you, Mr. Eric, for yep. letting me join and help you nope, with my you. project. Yep. So obviously, I know your name's Mr. Eric, but can you give a rundown of your military experience about why you're relevant for this kind of topic that I'm gonna be asking you I don't know do? if I'm relevant for your conversation, <laughs> but
0: uh, no, uh, my name's Eric Thomas. Uh, I was in the U.S. Army, active duty. Started out uh, as a 19 Delta Cavalry Scout. Great, and yeah, you know, I went into the recruiting office and said I want to drive cool vehicles and shoot a lot of g- uh, really neat guns. And mm-hmm. they said, "Have we got a job for you?" And smiled and sent me on my way. And so I went to Fort Great. Knox, Kentucky, did, uh, did basic training and AIT, one station unit training, five and a half months there. Went to Fort Stewart after that, um, then back to Fort Knox to run privates, and then. Right. I switched jobs in the military to 97 Bravo Counterintelligence Special Agent, and I did that until I got out.
1: So basically you're telling me you had a long and extensive list of being in the military, so that being said, you would know a lot of the ins and outs of what goes on.
0: And even more so because I run a a charity that supports veterans, and so yeah, between those two, uh, extensive experience of working with soldiers and, and trying to help them out, yeah.
1: And obviously, I'm guessing you enjoyed your time in the military. But could you explain furthermore about the process of leaving, the pros and the cons of what was going on there? So that's a hard process, man. Um,
0: and it's changed some. So I got out in 2007. Some things have gotten better. Some things haven't. And um, at the end of the day, for a soldier, that is a tough transition because a soldier lives a life that is unlike the average person. Right. And and. You know, everything's very structured and very dynamic and everything's go, go, go. So to have to make that switch from military life to civilian life is a, is a very tough process and one you don't feel like you get a whole lot of help in. And, exactly. um, you know, I can tell you specifically for mine, I was in Iraq for a year, uh, deployed from Korea. And so then I came back to Korea and I basically had three months to transition out and right. you're overseas in Korea. so what does that mean? That means you have enough time to turn in your gear, do all your paperwork, and nobody to assist you or talk you through the process, right. Or and so I was just kind of out. So I came back to my home of record in Virginia, and you're just kind of there. And exactly. when you come off that, that, that op tempo at that speed and what you're doing, um, that's a tough transition, man. Because right. then, so. then you're into civilian life and things don't make sense, and right. you Nobody, nobody, yeah, nobody preps you for that transition and things don't, you're so used to the way the military moves that you, you you really struggle to function.
1: Right. So basically what you're saying is the government isn't having enough programs to help, like a set case by case basis to help military soldiers being able to find a job afterwards to help with whatever mental illness they have gotten, things Uh, like that.
0: So there, there are things in place, but... You know, I'll, I'll say it, I'll, I'll tell on, on myself even a little bit, but it's government run and it's not very nimble. And so it's usually behind and not as well funded and, and right. not as well run as it should, which is why I think you see there's so many veteran service organizations out there to try to pick up the slack of. So they do have some things, in, programs that, you know, you go to, through these classes, they teach you how to write a resume and teach you how to, but, you know, some of it goes down to the basics, just how do I, how do I throttle down from running and going and shooting and moving and communicating and doing all that exactly. to um, dealing with walmart people exactly you know yeah. and i know that sounds silly but my god man I, we did i didn't have to deal with that stuff in the military and so right. it, that stuff would stress you out exactly
1: so let's get back to yep. you said shooting and moving and going through the daily motions that yep. obviously for certain people can bring something called ptsd post-traumatic stress disorder what have you seen the government do to help with that and not help with that in your experience,
0: um, so the military is addressing it, and they've acknowledged post-traumatic stress disorder. And a, I will throw in traumatic brain injury because those are two when, injuries are two. that seem to be very prevalent. And I think the numbers are higher than what we believe. I, you know, right. I think at the end of the day, for most deployments. You're seeing and doing things that the average mind and brain is not meant to consume and process. Right. You're seeing death, you're seeing destruction, and that's not how we're brought up, right? And right. and so um, I don't think we're doing enough. I think they've started, um, but once again, it's a government-run system, and I'll speak specifically about the VA. Right. I did not go well through that process. It was group therapy, it was sit, t- you know, over and over again, tell me about your problem, tell me about, what caused this and write about it and my problem with that is each time you talk about it all you're doing think about an injury all you're doing is ripping the scab off each time and you're almost recreating the the incident and that's not the way you do it
1: and in a group setting that could also be maybe traumatic for the person trying to tell everyone when they're not even ready to open it up just by themselves
0: it is and then the other side is then you've got counselors and you've got VA personnel that, and and I'll I'll even withhold, or all of them are qualified to even be doing that. But the other side is they have such high rotation at the VA, are they even experienced enough to be dealing with it? Uh, One of the big problems a lot of us have is we don't want to talk to them, you know? It's because they don't understand what we went through. They don't, okay, great, you read the textbook, this is a checklist you're supposed to go
1: through. but many of them it's, were never It's working, Right, right. So they yep. never really experienced firsthand. Yep. So that's why you're saying. And let's, let's face it, you know, We want to talk to our own,
0: right? If you want, if you want to get me to talk about my incident, bring somebody here that I deployed with, that I right. was there with, that experienced the same things. That's about the only time we're going to talk about it. Like enlisted army, right? right? That's why there's the, that's yep. why
1: that slogans is out there. Yep. And we've already talked about job transitioning. So we'd like. Well, we'll talk. We'll talk, we'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah.
0: and that's a that's a tough thing, right? So, right. Um, the jobs you do in the military don't often translate out to civilian sector, and right. so it is tough to come out because one civilian work doesn't always make sense to us. It's different. Right. Um, we're used to that real structured environment, and think about it. you take a guy like me out of that environment and try to put me in a Google or put me in a exactly. something where exactly it's. That, that makes no sense to us. And so, um, you know, just down to write a resume, how do you translate what you did when you're kicking in doors and doing that stuff to something that's translatable back here? Right, because that's not necessarily know, a customer yeah. service family. No, and, yeah. and so some of it is just hard to get across the difference of, and and I will say we as vets are also guilty in the process in that we have a bad habit of going to a place and go, that's not how we did it in the military, or that's not, well, right. Um, we need to change as well so it's not all in the system exactly. sometimes it's on us as well.
1: Exactly. So would you like to talk about companies such as yourself that help address all these issues or specific, sure. um, and service dogs?
0: So because of a lot of those issues you brought up um, you know my my experience getting out so I can tell you I got out a number and I started working for DOD um, I was still right. deploying all the time I was still and I got Injured again, and so I had to move out of that, and I came to a federal government service, um, state side. So for me, the transition was pretty easy. But what I never did was I never took care of my problems. And I hire veterans a lot, and one, of you know, I wanted my veterans to seek help, and they weren't doing it. So one of the, one of them, I went to and said, "Hey, I really want you to start looking for help and getting some help for some of your issues." He was experiencing PTSD and things like that. Right. He looked at me and said, "Mr. Thomas." I will if you do. And I was like, "Well, Well, crap!" And so, and he he wasn't wrong. And so, you know, I'm I'm in a job that has a clearance, you know, and and we weren't quite sure how any of that would work. And so, finally, I just kind of said, "Listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll out and try this out." And so, I went and sought help for PTSD and TBI. I've had over 200 pieces of shrapnel removed from my body from getting blown up. and throughout that, I experienced the problem, a new number of problems going through the VA system, um, especially the mental health side. Um, one of the things they told me is, because I was uncooperative through the process, is hey, do you want a dog? I was like, cool. What window do I go get a dog? And they're like, no, you got to go through a veteran service organization. So I spent a year trying to find one. I got lucky that I found one, but they gave me a dog and that was it. So that's when I started the CJ3 Foundation because I thought there should be more. And so right. the CJ3 Foundation, we serve our nation's wounded heroes, wounded veterans, law enforcement, firefighters, yeah. um, first responders. And um, we we do we have a mental health and wellness facility in Iowa that focuses on traumatic brain injury and PTSD. Awesome. Because... Yeah, we, we went to JSOC, we went to NFL, NHL, and some of these other organizations that were dealing with PTSD right. non conventionally, and we found best practices and built ours around that. Right. Um, With things that actually work and that don't involve drugging people up and and load them up with medications, which just make things work worse half the time. Exactly. We also do service dogs, and then I do advocacy. You know, we're up on the hill attempting to change legislation to better those
1: those groups and organizations. Exactly. Could you talk about some of that legislation? Yeah. uh, um,
0: So we work with some of the burn pit, um, PACT Act stuff. you know, for instance, some of the other things we worked on, so we provided a service dog to uh, an individual in Florida. He worked for uh, a state contracted agency. The, when we gave him the dog, they denied him access to the facility with the service dog, which is That's against the yep. American with Disabilities Act, We're against all that stuff. So we we contacted the governor, contacted senators and congressmen, contacted the radio and TV stations and got them involved. Yep. Well, guess what? He, Went back to work, yep. got back pay. Yep. The foundation got a nice little donation from yep. the organization. Yep. And so we advocated on behalf of one of our recipients. Exactly. And so we do a lot
1: of that as well. That's awesome. So basically all in all is what you're saying is that the government, since it is the government, there's large amounts of money spent, not as much transparency, and you believe that there should be a more privatized, personal, military kind of thing, like your company as well.
0: I, <clears throat> So I will say this, I, the government by design is not as nimble as, right. a, as a veteran service organization. I think, wow. I think the, the government and the, the veteran VA and, and things like that, those entities, need to do a better job of recognizing. Right. And uh, veteran service organizations like CJ3 Foundation, they have a process that works and right. get behind those. And instead of recreating the wheel or instead of trying to do it themselves, Help fund, help be part of, and, and right. help make those things work because there's a lot of places it's happening better than what they're doing. Right. Um, and and some of it's not their fault. Some of some of it has to get legislatively approved, and nothing right. moves quick when you do that. And exactly. you know it's about government funding and all that. Well, we don't have to worry about any of that. And so um, they do have a couple things in pro. They're in a a test phase of. Funding some veteran ser- private veteran service organizations like the for contract. their dogs, yeah. And so instead of the VA doing it, they're going to help fund some. The problem is uh, their policies, uh, not even realizing it, excluded over half of the service dog organizations across the United States. Just by right. the way they wrote the policy. Right. So there's, there's still a lot of work to do. I will I will give the government credit and the VA credit for their acknowledgement of PTSD and, and TBI. And their attempt at it, I just think they're not nimble enough to move quick enough to get it done. And I think there's a lot. They need, they need to focus more on holistic health and, and right. get away from some of Big Pharma.
1: Exactly, because Big Pharma has all the contracts, so of course, the, them and the government hand-in-hand. Hand.
0: And sometimes, yeah, you know, the, the drug may help them with this, but it's screwing them up in a whole lot of other places. And, right. and you know, depression and all that other stuff. Exactly. And let's face it. Suicide's a big problem, right? That 22 a day number exists for a reason. And predominantly
1: in men as well. And we need that to go away. Exactly. So, what else you got? Honestly, Mr. Egg, that's all I kind of (laughs) have. Okay. What do you want to know?
0: Just any questions in general? Yeah, why are you in Sea Cadets? Because I I think it's awesome.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you, Mr. Egg. I was in Sea Cadets because a while ago, my stepmother showed me about a program because I was interested in the military since I was a young child but I was honestly a scrawny kid. I still am a little scrawny, I'm only 165. But But you're in the gym, come on, we're in the gym. (laughs) We're in the gym together, yeah. I'm 165 now, but before I used to weigh about 125 pounds about three years ago. And I was kind of an arrogant child. So she was like, you know what, why don't you apply for this program? So I went to a place called Viking Division out in Percival. They trained in Patrick Henry College. Now they've switched, but that's regardless. I tried out and I completely bombed the physical fitness test. (laughs) I got 14 push-ups. 20 sit-ups, like a 730 mile, it was horrendous. I won't tell
0: anybody at the gym.
1: (laughs) That was horrendous, that was horrendous. And it really hit me, it was a real reality check that the world doesn't revolve around me Mm -hmm. and that I need to improve myself as a person before I expect others to look up to me as a leader. So when that happened, I decided to hit the gym, start reading more books like Jocko Willink or David Goggins, mentality, things like that. And now, we've improved. Push-ups in the minute, 63 and two minutes, 75 mile sub six if possible pull-ups 23 sit-ups 100 and it's all about all the mentality thing
0: so then what's the goal after high school after sea cadets what's after the high goal? school and
1: sea cadets my mom was really pushing for college i have good grades i have above a 4.0 gpa so college would have been about 10k a year but I, that calling for the military is there so I've talked about with her and i think the goal is ranger school and ranger regiment to be more specific because the ranger tab and then being assigned with the ranger regiment are two different things so just know this,
0: and and my son did it the same way. My son graduated and said, Dad, I want to go in, and, and right. I got no problem. with it. Once you're in, it's still 100% tuition. It's still, yep, so exactly. it doesn't mean you're done. It doesn't mean you're, it's still important to focus on the education, but then right. there's nothing wrong with it um, at the end of the day. Then you get paid to go to school and be getting uh, exactly. experience right. and e- education. It's called
1: like paid leave to learn to become an officer or something like that. So
0: right? you, will, you will be fine. Yep. So... All right, man. Well, I appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on here. You good?